1: Don't worry; it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, but you never know; there's always an opportunity to suck, and today could be the day. Five oh one. What's up? The Eddie Scizari out. Al Duke's out. We won't see them till January third. Ed Arzuman, what's up, Mike Flugeman? how are you as well? It is the warm-up show till 6 o'clock, no goofy games today, nothing uh, fun, if you will, because, as I said, Al is out, and we did his fraudulent list of five favorite teams yesterday, and I will tell you, after watching last night, that list pretty much remains the same, though I haven't heard from him, and I don't anticipate hearing from him, because he goes under the radar when he is out, and usually all he does is tweet about things like music and Christmas songs and his dog and things like that, sports, He's not a sports fan, admittedly, as he will tell you. So he does not tweet about that. That having been said, we've got a lot to get to. We've got an hour to do it. Boomer NGO at 6 o'clock. And so I was kind of wondering, when you look at what happened yesterday, do you go with... The Knicks. I mean, you could do that. They hadn't won at home in forever. They've been hit with the COVID bug as almost every team has. And so they've got guys on their roster now that you've probably never heard of, may never have heard of, or might not have heard of until last night, although three of them didn't play. Uh, they did fill out the roster, the active roster last night. So we can do that and we will. We'll touch a couple of minutes on the Knicks at some point throughout the hour. I could get to the Giants yet again, and we will because Watching the Eagles and Washington last night gave me one specific thought that we'll get into at some point throughout the hour. How the hell are the Giants not at least as good as one of these two teams to at least be in the mix going into a Week 15 game? Now, Washington has pretty much played themselves out of it now at 6-8, and eight, you would think, unless they win their last three games, and then who knows. But the Eagles are very much alive at 7-7. Seven and seven. We're not talking about being 11-4. and four. We're not talking about being, you know, 10 and 4, or 11 and 3, 7 and 7, and they're not there. So yeah, we'll do that too because that that to me is very intriguing. Yes, the Jets have been hit with the COVID bug. We'll discuss them very briefly because they're playing the Jaguars for God's sakes this weekend, the game that nobody wants to watch, not even people associated with the teams. They're actually wondering if they can turn something else on during these games because these are that's just terrible. Terrible, 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 terrible. But I thought I would go instead in a different route, and it's similar to yesterday, but it's updated a little bit. Yesterday I spent a good portion of the warm-up show talking about Buck Showalter and why he was the right fit for the Mets and why the Mets wanted him this go-round with this ownership group or this owner uh, and why it made sense and why they were going to pay him unlike the previous ownership group that was not going to do that. And so yesterday Buck speaks at 1 o'clock, And you want to talk about hearing everything from a manager that you want to hear in 2021 going into 2022. He discussed the human element. He discussed analytics. He discussed why he's not too old at this stage of his life career to be a manager. He discussed the importance of winning the World Series. He discussed, and God, I love this. Ed, make sure my fader's up. I want to play just a couple of clips from him yesterday, which I'll do throughout the show, of course, with Boomer and Gio. But this was the one that I think... Even if you listen to him for however long the Zoom conference was, even if you listen to him with Carton and Roberts after he did the Zoom conference, if you didn't hear this clip, and if you're a Met fan, be excited for what is to come, then I don't know what you're listening to. Because this is everything that you want a manager to speak of, to say, to discuss, to hear, to highlight, and for his players to know, most importantly. This is... Buck Showalter yesterday talking about the resources this team has and the new owner that they have and why they need to win. Very excited about the uh,
2: potential for things this season and beyond. And, uh, you know, just about, you know, Steve continues to eliminate excuses that we might have for things we can't do.
1: Bam, there it is. Steve continues to eliminate excuses that we might have for things we can't do. Nonsense. No excuses. No excuses which should be the mantra for this team. That's everything that you want to hear from a manager. Not, well, you know, those guys make more money. Well, those guys have a better stadium. Or the schedule's not so much. Division's a little bit easier. Nonsense. We have the resources. We have the players. We have the pitching. The staff is going to be in place. We've got the proper ownership. Love the GM. The fan base rocks. Let's go freaking win. That's it. In a nutshell, that is it. Now, you got to go do it. And you've got to hold players accountable, which comes back to what we were talking about yesterday. You have to. Now I'm going to give you one from the interview with the Carton and Roberts Show because, again, I thought that this day yesterday pretty much encompassed everything you wanted to hear. So one of the things I said yesterday was the difference between hiring a new and young manager as opposed to someone like Buck Showalter who's got a resume and a track record – was and is accountability and respect and having respect for the guy who's in charge because you can make every case that as much as Luis Rojas was a good baseball guy, and I do believe that, that maybe the respect factor wasn't there because it was a first-time big league manager. You know, him not knowing what the hell was going on inside the clubhouse, if in fact that was true, and I don't know that it was. He could have been protecting his guys by playing dumb. I don't know. You're not going to get that from Buck Showalter. And one of the other things we discussed was you need Francisco Lindor to play like Francisco Lindor with the bat. Has to happen. And so one of the questions that either Evan or Craig asked was about getting your star players to perform. And once again, Buck is spot on with his answer.
2: You know, that's one thing I've told guys in the past. It's to the best. Just, my best players don't play the game right. I'm, I'm you-know-what and against the wind, okay? You, you, it doesn't matter. The best players play the game right, peer pressure takes over, and
1: they follow their lead. Follow their lead. I love it. I'm telling you, I love it. And again, you know, you don't you don't win a World Series by winning the offseason. I totally understand that. But it's a step in the right direction for a team that has made misstep after misstep after misstep for years and years and years and years. Yes, you had twenty fifteen and you won the pennant. Okay, fine. That was Johan's Cespedes. And then let's be honest, the Mets screwed their way up into that. I mean, I hate to say that, and you don't want to take credit away from them making the move because ultimately they made the move, but they made the move after a missed move. If you really think about how that season went and how it turned, and it was thrilling, it was fun. You know, when the Yankees are in the playoffs, it's fun around here, whether you're a Yankee fan or not. When the Mets are in the playoffs, it is fun around here. It's a weird thing with sports with sports talk because you can make every case that sports talk is alive and kicking when the teams suck because you've got so much to complain about. But there is a different energy when the teams are good. And now that you've got a team in the Mets that should be good, that will spend the money, that will have star players, that will have star pitching, that has the proper manager in place, there's an excitement to this team. I've got friends that have gone out and have bought either season tickets or partial plans because of Max Scherzer and then because of Buck Showalter. Think about that. A manager excites a fan base, and there aren't many that can do that, and the Mets got one. And then on the other side of town, you've got a Yankee team. Yeah, I get it. They haven't won a World Series in forever. It's 2009. It's a long time ago. But for God's sakes, they're in the playoffs every single year. And you know what that means? It means a lot of winning. And when you look at what we have dealt with, with the Jets, with the Giants, with the Knicks, until last year, the Knicks had been complete suckage. Honestly, they've been bad. It's been a bad franchise. Last year was exciting. Why? They won. And the Knicks, much like the baseball teams, much like the football teams, and I get it, more so, a lot more so than the Nets because they have such a bigger fan base, and much like the Rangers, their fans go crazy when they win. And I also think, too, you know, back in the day when this whole format started, Mike and the Mad Dog were ripping through things. When you looked at what this was, you could make the case that because teams would win and lose, win and lose, win and lose, and they would kind of alter, you know, different paths um, in terms of how successful or the lack thereof they were. It was okay to call and rip a team when they lost. It's almost become, at least with the Jets and Giants, because it's just been losing after losing after losing – It's almost like it's noise now. Well, I think what happens when you make a hire like this and when you sign someone like Max Scherzer and you go out and get Starling Marte and you actually have a good offseason, expectations go through the roof. And if you don't meet those expectations, fans are going to be pissed. More so than when you go into a season thinking, well, maybe we can make the wild card. Because you don't think that much of them. Man, I'll tell you, if you're a Yankee fan, you're a Mets fan, and I know it's only the week of Christmas. We're a long ways to go before we get to spring training, when spring training even happens, because of the stupid lockout, although I am on the side that believes we will start relatively on time. I do have that hope. We'll see. But let's assume for the moment they're going to play Major League Baseball again sometime in the near future. Man, if you're a Met or a Yankee fan, this might be collectively, collectively, One of the coolest winter into springs that I can remember in a long time. Yes, there was excitement last year for the Mets, and there were people that thought they'd win the division. Uh, I certainly thought they would be first or second, that type of team. Yes, they were in first place for a lot of last year, but we talked about it. It felt like fool's gold for a while. They were winning weird games. They were never able to pull away. They kind of played up and down to their competition, and it just felt like that the bubble was going to burn. And it did. And boy, they came crashing down pretty hard. But to think, not just playoff aspirations. You've got two teams in this city full steam ahead to the World Series. That's the goal. The goal is not to be a playoff team. Another thing the Buck said yesterday was the goal for him and the goal for a team should not be putting a number on the wins. Meaning, hey, you know, if we get to 80-85, we've done well. No! No, the, the the goal is to win the World Series, and they are now armed for that. One other one from him, I won't play the clip. I'll save it for the Boomer and Geo show. When he was talking about being an older type of manager, and I love what he, he what he did. He referenced, and you know, some might call this whataboutism. I'm not sure. Uh, he referenced older managers. He he referenced Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa showed you last year, however old he is, he's got to be seventy something. He has to be. He did a nice job with the White Sox, didn't he? How about Dusty Baker? Dusty Baker's not a young man. Goes to show you don't have to be a 30-something-year-old manager, a 40-something-year-old manager completely relying on analytics. He also said he will be – he didn't say sponge-worthy like Seinfeld. He said he's very spongible, I believe. And I think that's kind of cool for an older type of manager. Now, Mike, do you have a minute here? Boomer's not here yet, correct? We should, yeah. All right, so here's the deal. The other day, I decided to give Brian Rascona. So, Brian Rascona has done shows here, and I I think he's actually really good, and I I anticipate hearing him um, more throughout the years. I gave him his five-minute sound off on the Giants. You are the diehard Met fan here. You have done talk shows here. You've got, because Boomer's coming in, it's not five minutes. I'm going to give you four. Go. Well, Jerry,
3: I'll start by telling you the the five words I texted to Sal – at 1.09 yesterday, a couple minutes into Buck's news conference. Because Sal and I have talked, and Sal, obviously, people have heard him on the air talking about how much he and I wanted a real manager. Wanted a guy like Buck in the last couple of weeks that seemed like more and more of a reality that it could actually happen. I texted Sal, this news conference is porn. For a Mets fan that has been dying, for a real manager, a leader, an adult in the room, Any kind, we talk about culture, we throw that word around a lot in every sport over the last few years— Buck came in yesterday and showed you that he's going to have that kind of presence. He's going to be that leader. And then when you just go to stuff on the baseball field, mixing in the old age and new age, he's going to connect with the players. He embraces analytics. He's talking about, you know, we didn't have the word for it back then, but we had information. He's talking later on about how he had the charts that he would make when he was in the minor leagues and his wife would help him out with the colored pencils and figuring out distribute charts where guys were hitting the balls before we had computers that put all that stuff together. Buck might be 65 years old. But he's a baseball nerd, savant, whatever word you want to use. This guy lives and breathes baseball. So he was ahead of the curve on that stuff, doing it years ago. So just because he's old doesn't mean that he can't embrace the new school. Buck showed you that he's going to be the perfect blend that A lot of fans, and especially I know I've been begging for, asking for, because I embrace analytics. I like the new age stuff. You can't be completely beholden to it where you dismiss everything else. You dismiss the human element. You get rid of all that stuff. But you have to acknowledge that the teams that are successful in 2021 and beyond embrace and use analytics. Buck is going to mix those two aspects together. He seems like a guy that is going to get along with people. You can see the charm, the personality, how people are going to just relate to him in the clubhouse. He talked about the players he dealt with in the past, the big names. He can't obviously mention anybody on the Mets right now because of the lockout, but you kind of got the vibe where he was leading down that road handling of Francisco Lindor, the way he worked with a Manny Machado in Baltimore, who says great things about Buck. There was a story in The Athletic the other day how Buck kept Machado humble when he was with Baltimore. We heard the story about Adam Jones a couple days ago when he wasn't running a ball out. Buck pulled him to the side and said, I need you to be a leader, lead by example. And he turned Adam Jones and that career around. That's going to be the kind of presence he's going to have with Lindor and the rest of the guys in this Mets clubhouse which let's be honest, it completely fell apart last year. And every single incident, Rat and Raccoon, Donnie Stevenson, the thumbs down. Every time they asked Luis Rojas about it, oh, I don't know. He doesn't know what's going on. You know what, Francisco Lindor wasn't a problem in Cleveland with Terry Francona. Javi Baez wasn't a problem in Chicago with Joe Madden. Now the Mets have a manager like that. They have Buck Showalter. He's going to come in. He's going to clean up the mess while at the same time being the right guy in between innings one and nine that knows what to do, make the right baseball decisions. He was the perfect hire. He was the perfect candidate at the perfect time. In other circumstances, I would have said, you know what? Joe Espada, Matt Coutuaro, they're very interesting candidates to give their first job to. But what the Mets needed right now was Buck. I wanted him. I got him. And then listening to him yesterday – it was even better than I could have expected. Every word that came out of that man's mouth was perfect yesterday. It, it was. Per- I I said as a Mets fan, I was Scherzer and now Buck. I don't know how to be this happy with the Mets organization. I don't know how to process it in my mind. It just it has it doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense as a Mets fan, but hopefully if you are a Mets fan, this is the new normal going forward. They're going to make the right decisions. You played the soundbite. It's the first thing that jumped out to me. Eliminating excuses when talking about ownership, just that whole culture, that mentality from the top down. That's what winning teams need to do. The Mets have been making excuses for a decade now, at least that long. But definitely in the Sandy Olison regime, they make excuses for everybody and everything with Buck, that's out the window. Come to work. Do your job. It's not always going to work out, but put in the work, put in the effort, and we're going to roll with that. I loved it yesterday.
1: Very, very well said. Ed Zuman. can you do me a favor and get him some oxygen? Because I don't think he took a breath for the last five minutes. I had to that squeeze in because this is around when Boomer well, shows yeah, it's up. It's like you're foaming at the mouth, and I and that's – and I'm excited. Start the season. Right. I have season Your tickets. I want to go. Your perspective is exactly what I'm talking about because the way you see this team now is the way I think most Met fans do, and they are fired up for what I hope to be a baseball season coming in the spring. The booms is here. You gots to goes. I got to take a break. When I come back, we're going to hit on the uh, the NFC East because of the game last night in Philadelphia between the Eagles and Washington. We'll hit on the Knicks as well. I got a few other things up my sleeve. Also, we'll take you to six o'clock. We've got uh, Boomer and Geo right here on the fan Christmas week. Don't go away.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices.
1: Al and Jerry, let's talk more rock. All right, Chili Peppers on a Wednesday, the Wednesday before Christmas. couple of days till we get to that. Matter of fact, the Chili Peppers going on tour this summer. I'm going to have to try and hit that for sure. A um, couple of things with the football. And I want to do one thing, too. We don't take phone calls during this hour, we never do. It's usually myself and Al, and there's no need to. It's an hour, and there's usually too much material to even get to. And so it's, I don't mind phone calls. Al hates them, whatever. Since this is my final 35 minutes solo, because I am not here the next couple of days. And then next week I'm really not sure what the hell we're doing. We'll I'll talk to Spike. We'll figure it out. Here's what I'm gonna do. After the next break, three calls. That's it. Three calls. We're gonna take three calls, 877-337-6666. But give me something good. And I don't want just, you know, uh calls talking about the nick game or Give me something unique. You don't want to, uh, hey, uh, who was better, Babe Ruth or uh, Luke I don't Garrick. want that. I also don't need, you know, I'm with you. I love the Buck hiring, blah, 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 blah. Three unique calls. Could be owl related could be show-related, could be station-related, could be sports-related if it's something clever. All right, bring the heat, people. All right, so there you go. 877-337-6666. And if no one calls, we'll just continue to talk, and we'll take you to Boomer NGO at 6. Now, a lot on Buck, a lot on baseball. I want to discuss the football for a second and again I feel like we're beating you know uh, it's it's the same conversation and I understand it's the same conversation but a couple of things struck me last night watching the Eagles in Washington and I said it when the show started is that I'm looking at this giant football team and don't don't call and say well you know Daniel Jones is hurt so that's not fair. It is fair because he's only been hurt for a few games and played. The majority of, and I believe his record as a starter or the team's record. I hate when we do that because the record solely should not be on the quarterback, but the team's record with him at quarterback is four and eight. Bad football, terrible football in a lot of different ways. But I'm watching this game last night. And I'm thinking, how the hell are they not at least as good as these two teams? And yeah, I know there are some players out because of COVID for sure. And so, and Washington had a nice run where they won a bunch of games and they kind of got themselves in the mix. And they beat Dallas last week. It'd be a completely different story, but they didn't, and here we are. And then they go out last night, and yes, Garrett Gilbert is playing quarterback, but they jump out to a 10-0 lead, and the Eagles wind up running past them. Dallas Goddard was amazing last night. And give Jalen Hurts a lot of credit, too, because he needed to play well. He played really well, exceptionally well, actually. And so you're looking at this giant team now that's going into the final three games of the regular season, and then you look to what is beyond. And if you're... I guess John Mara is really where you go here because I can't even say Dave Gettleman because I don't think Gettleman will be here as the GM much beyond the end of this season. So if you're someone that is in charge of this team that is trying to evaluate and figure out what in the hell they're going to do going forward, the one name that keeps coming up is Russell Wilson. Now, Russell Wilson is still on the Seahawks. He played last night, not particularly well. And I think name value, it makes sense. That if you can upgrade the quarterback position, things could change. But then I'm led to this. Russell Wilson is not the Russell Wilson of five years ago. He's just not. He's 33 now. You're not going to get, I don't think, the Russell Wilson that won the Super Bowl, that was in the Super Bowl. He's a different player. There's more wear and tear on the body. And I, I know, I know Tom Brady's still playing at a ridiculously high level at the age of 44, going on 45. I know Aaron Rodgers very well might be the MVP if Brady's not. Aaron Rodgers is 39, I think. His team's already clinched a playoff spot in the division, and he's playing probably the best football of his life. But I don't know if Russell Wilson makes sense for this team. Now, you can play devil's advocate and say, all right, well, then what's the solution? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe that is the best solution. Maybe Daniel Jones is still the best solution. But then you come back to this. Will he ever be right with this neck injury? Is this something that is going to sideline him for longer than what it's been? We know he's done for the year, which means he's missing six games to wrap things up. And there's no surgery required. It's time. But, man, you're talking about a neck injury. We're not talking about rehabbing an ACL or an Achilles or a knee, or an ankle. We're talking about the neck that can sideline you beyond football in your life. And so you look at this position, you look at the type of quarterback Daniel Jones is, and while he throws a nice ball, he turns the ball over way too much. And to be completely honest with you, part of why you like a Daniel Jones is the ability of him to run. Kind of like why you like Russell Wilson. Well, Russell Wilson at 33 going on 34. I don't know that that's still there. And Russell Wilson, unless you fix what's up front, stop it with the offensive line. I know. But until you actually fix that problem, you could bring, you know, Terry Bradshaw back. It doesn't work. It Phil Sims could go play quarterback in his heyday, it won't work. And so you look at this team and they've got questions that have to be answered. And while I know the sexy thing to do is upgrade the quarterback position, after watching what I watched last night, really from both teams, I didn't see my I didn't see really any of the Seattle LA game because we had Washington Philly on Channel Five in New York. But from what I've watched this year, from the Giants and from around the league. I will continue to say what I said yesterday. I let him play on that fourth year and final year of his contract next year, assuming the health is good. That's a big assumption. But assuming the health is good and assuming that all is needed is rest and that he's not going to hurt himself any further, I have got to go out, whether it's Dave Gettleman or whoever the new GM is, they have to get the offensive line right. They have to. And then I also need to have and find an enormous pass rush. You do those two things, I promise you that Saquon Barkley's better, Devontae Booker is even better, Daniel Jones will be better, and if you have that pass rush, the Giants will be better. And I know I work for the Cowboys and the Compass Media Network's radio network, and I understand that I'm a Cowboy fan, blah, 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 blah. But if you put that aside for a second and just talk about why they've been successful this year, it's up front. And it just is. They've been outstanding. When the offensive line has played well, their offense has performed. When they've been bad, they've been bad. And defensively, that offense, or excuse me, that defensive front gives them a chance every single week. Moving Micah Parsons back and forth from linebacker to edge rusher. Hell, they actually had a couple of snaps the other day where they lined him up inside, which was weird. They move him all over the place. And yes, the Giants could have drafted him, I'm well aware. Randy Gregory on the outside. This is what teams, this is how teams become really good. And if the Giants want to get to where they want to be, it's going to start and finish up front on both sides of the football. I, You know, the quarterback position, the most important position on the field, I don't argue that for a second. It's why they make the most money. It's why they make the big throws, the big plays. But you give me a bad offensive line, I don't give a damn who the quarterback is. You are not having success. You're just not. Unless you can, you know, run for 100 yards every game, which is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And then one other thing from football. We'll take a break. 877-337-6666. Three calls, three calls on the other side. But one other thing from football, I'm going to save the audio for the Boomer and Geo show. Probably do it at 6:25 because it's fascinating. So we always think going for two is analytic driven. At least that's the way we're led to believe. Well, NFL Films and the Ravens released the audio of John Harbaugh from Sunday. Now, a couple of things here. You had Aaron Rodgers with McAfee yesterday, as he's on every Tuesday, discussing the decision that the Ravens made and the respect that John Harbaugh and the Ravens showed his team because part of that decision was how good the Packers are. That having been said, he also loved the fact, not because they didn't get it, he loved the idea that the Ravens went for it because it showed confidence in his group. Now, I can make that case for every stupid, dopey decision a coach will make offensively, and I actually do believe it. I'll never forget there was a time the Cowboys were playing the Eagles. It's got to be 20 years ago. And I think Barry Switzer was the head coach at the time. I'm pretty sure he was. And the Cowboys were faced with, in like a, I think it was a six point game, something like that. They had a fourth and one on their own 32 yard line in the early fourth quarter. You know, you had that big offensive line, you had Emmett Smith running the football, and they went for it, and the Eagles stuffed them. And my friends that also were Cowboy fans were murdering them for making that decision. And my point was it's a damn yard. Go win at the point of attack, fall forward, get the yard. It was the only way they were going to win the game because they were having trouble stopping Philly, and I loved it. I thought it made I thought it made sense, even though it probably didn't make sense. So when teams go for two, whether it's analytics or not, you're always showing confidence in your group. Now, the outcome is ultimately how things are decided and how you're viewed upon. Well, as I said, NFL Films and the Ravens released the video of Harbaugh basically telling Huntley, before they scored that second touchdown, not if... But when we score this next touchdown, he's essentially asking Huntley his opinion of what they should do at that point. And then, of course, they don't get it, and he's walking the sidelines still basically telling himself he made the right call. But what's really impressive is the confidence that Huntley had in himself and in the offense. And Mark Andrews, after they don't get it, basically goes up to console Harbaugh and telling him, Coach, Right call. We didn't execute, but right call. It is a hell of an inside look at what happens on the sidelines between, now we can bring this in circle back to Buck, between a team that respects their coach because their coach respects them. I'm sure he's hard on them when he has to be. But you the give and take and the back and forth really is a pretty good inside look to what happens on the sidelines in very, and also looking ahead, because you'll see new coaches sometimes where the game's too fast for them when they first get the job. Well, Harbaugh was looking ahead, and he's talking to Huntley on the sideline as his defense has to get the ball back. Total confidence that they're going to get the job done and that they're going to go out there with the offense and they're going to score. So really cool. I'll play those clips coming up probably 630, somewhere around there with Boomer and Geo. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, when we come back, three calls, that's it, three calls to wrap up the warm-up show week. Um. That's next. I have a few more things as well. Nick's related at some point before six and then Boomer and Gio on the fan.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey Siri, play
1: WFAN. Al and Jerry, number one with meatheads in the gym. All right, Al is off. He'll be back January 3rd. Uh, real quick, you know, we used to have the studios, and we'll get to three calls in one second in just a moment. Uh, we used to work, and the radio station used to be in Queens, uh, and we used to have to come over the... It was weird. If you lived in Jersey, really difficult, because to get to work, you'd have to get into Manhattan, get out of Manhattan, and then go find parking, uh, although we actually had a parking lot in Queens. And then when you come home, you had to get into Manhattan, and out of Manhattan, it was a mess. Now, where we are, it's beautiful if you're in Jersey, because it's right in uh, lower Manhattan, but... The point is, for, let's see, 1997 through 2000, I'm trying to think. I think we moved in this building in 2010, maybe 2009, something like that. So for at least 11 or 12 years, I had to make that trek from Queens to Jersey by cutting through Manhattan. And I was on that Queensboro Bridge, that 59th Street Bridge, every day, twice a day. I must tell you, never got banged out on the 59th Street Bridge. As Karen Stewart just said, someone's getting banged out on the bridge, which doesn't sound fun. It must Although be a sight. Although it could sight. be. Could be. I don't know. It could be a sign, Zoo. I don't know. I'm not so sure. All right. Al is out. He hates phone calls. I don't, I don't mind them, personally. So I thought it'd be fun just to do three. So we're going to call this Al and Jerry's three phone calls. All right. So we got three. We got Mark, Tyler, and Adam on the line. Three completely unrelated topics, which I like. So since... We don't do this often. Zoo, you're going to take control of this for me, and we're going to start with number... We're going to start with Adam. We're going to start with Adam in center reach. First of three questions. Adam, good morning. What's up? Hey, good morning, Jerry. How are you today?
2: Happy holidays. You too, man. All right. Al, he's obviously been with Gina for quite some time now, right?
1: I would say probably five or six years, yeah.
2: Okay. When is this guy going to get off the pot and marry this good girl before he loses her? Never. And <laughs> do you think you would ever be the best man?
1: No. Paul would be. Paul would be. Would I mean, be how many times, if you think about this, Adam, how many times has Al referenced Paul in his life? So Paul would True. be. yes, okay. That, that is your best man. Plus, and I appreciate the call, Adam, very good call, appreciate that. Boomer would be before I would be, but I would not be the best man. That would be Paul. So, good call, and in terms of Al getting married, it's never going to happen, and he likes his life. And you know what I say? Good for him. You do you, and do it well. Second of our three-call segment, Tyler, Trumbull, Connecticut. Go, what's up?
2: Hey, Jerry, good morning, bud.
1: Morning, how are you?
2: Good, more of a confession than a question. Oh, I like confessions.
1: Uh, Unless it's about cheating on your wife. I don't want to hear about that.
2: (laughs) Hey, diehard Yankee fan, I'm calling early because I don't want any of my friends or family to hear me. Oh, you, you are
1: cheating on your wife, aren't you?
2: No, no, well,
1: <laughs> it feels, feels like it. This is worse. I'm jealous of the New York Mets. And you're a Yankee fan, aren't you? Diehard Yankee fan. Hey, I know friends who worked with Steve Cohen over at 72. The man doesn't lose. You have George Steinbrenner, but richer. You have a billionaire, George Steinbrenner. That's yeah. Put it. I'll and tell you, I'll, Tyler, I'll tell you this. Good call. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know that you're alone in that, and the fact that you admit it's pretty cool. They are going to be a headache for a Yankee fan because it's the same city. Doesn't mean they're going to affect one another necessarily, although they could. I do think a Yankee fan, as they sat here and wanted them to do something before the lockout began, in terms of the roster, I think they sat there and and said, what are we doing? And then you look across the way, and Steve Cohen is making move after move after move, and he goes and gets one of your old guys to be the new guy to take the team to the next level. And I, listen, I don't know anybody that works at that firm that Steve Cohen owns but from everything you read, he don't like to lose, and so last year could not have sat well with him. Final call of the three, three calls. It is Mark and Edison. What's up, Mark? Good morning.
2: Hey, good morning. What's up? I, I wanted to talk about the Knicks. I- I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons. I don't know why he keeps getting killed by everybody on the air. Everybody just keeps labeling. Really?
1: Him. How can you? How can you be surprised?
2: Well, well, here's the thing. If I could just bring out some of the good, and then when I hang up, you could tell me all the bad. I don't know if you remember when you were 22 years old, but can you just imagine dating a supermodel, and two weeks later, she's running around with one of your coworkers?
1: Can't I mean, be can fun. Can you
2: imagine? Yeah, and yeah, right. Can you just <laughs> imagine like, that happens to you, and, 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 and she leaves you, and she's running around with Eddie Scazzeri? Would you be able to do your job? Eddie schizzeri hold on
1: a, a second. <laughs> Look <I> out. <know>, <laughs> I, I got it, okay? I, 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 know, I know, Mark, I know what you're saying, and I know where you're going. I totally understand, okay? I got it. The problem is the money that's made, the, expectat- the expectations that come with the money that's made, and he's been a good player. He fell on his face flat out in the postseason, was afraid to shoot, which we saw. And I don't think, I, I do believe this. If Ben Simmons was passing on three-pointers in the game in question, because that game in question was the biggest issue, if he was passing up open threes, I don't think anybody would have an issue. It was that play under the basket where he was wide open and couldn't pull the trigger. Now you're playing in a city like Philadelphia where they hate everything unless you win. Kind of like New York in a way, for sure. And it was very difficult for him to come back from that. Then you had Doc Rivers saying what Doc Rivers said after the game doesn't help your case. I think Ben Simmons can and will be successful in the NBA again, but I think it's got to be in a city that's not going to attack him the first time something goes wrong. Because I don't know if he can handle. I don't know. The fact that he's not playing tells you you don't know that he can handle it and wants to get the hell out of Philadelphia. And I don't know that. And I know part of your call was get him here, get him to the Knicks. I don't think that that will be the smartest move. That's me. That's my opinion. So who knows? Three calls. Love it. Love it. Love it. Boomer in here. Look at you. Happy Hockey Day. Big Zoo wearing the ho 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 face.
2: Good morning, there, Jerry. How we be? I I'd I be great, man. I mean, this is my last day. You're uh, off too. Yeah, the next yeah, two. How about that's that? Right. How about and uh, Louise. Uh Greg's mother-in-law sent in, like, a pile of cookies. She must have been working, like, for the last three days. Very nice. And uh, this is going to be a very good morning for us.
1: Does that mean we're also ordering food?
2: Oh, I, we don't have to order food, but We've we will much. order our coffee and everything else. Nice. But it's un- it's amazing how many cookies uh, that she sent in this morning.
1: So how awesome. Now, you know what I did last good. night? I took the initiative. So for years and years, going back to when my, my grandmother was alive, we would do, she would make rice balls with my mom. Rice balls. For Christmas Eve. Rice right. Balls. Yeah, the Arasini rice balls, I think, yeah. is the, the my, Sicilian no, rice balls. No. And so my grandmother passed me and my wife, and my mom started doing it every year. And then the last few years, for circumstances, we haven't. So this year, I took the initiative. I'm going to try and do it on my own, but a little different. <laughs> Mini Rice Balls. Mini Rice Balls. They're like, so th-
2: they're, they're like Swedish meatballs.
1: Yes. Or, or small ones. But I got to tell yes. you, so my son at a basketball game. Really good game down in Neptune. Uh, they wound up losing by a point, the JV team, and then the varsity team won. So watch that, which was a lot of fun. Get home. And just for poops and giggles, I'm like, I'm going to try this. So there I was at 7 o'clock last night, right before the football game on in the other room. I'm rolling Rice Balls. There you go. I got to tell you, came out pretty good. How many did you make? Well, I made 10. Just as like a trial, just to see. Oh, test trial. Test trial. I will make probably 35 well, you've for heard, the weekend.
2: You've heard me over the years say that in my family it was peppacaca. Yes. Which is a ginger snap, and, or Norwegian ginger, Norwegian and Swedish ginger snap. And then, of course, eulacaca. Which Vicky which makes is abria, for us. Which is, a, which is a bread, which is unbelievable. Uh, it has raisins in it and things of that nature. And uh, you can't eat that year round. You'd be 400 Correct. pounds. Correct. Correct, but uh, it's it's something that you know families pass down from one generation to the next. So, so you yeah. got
1: yulakaka and I got rice balls and pepakaka, and pepaka. Yes, exactly. so we got <laughs> we got balls and pepakaka. Exactly, <laughs> but
2: part of the fun is making it because the dough tastes so good.
1: Well, I can imagine that, and it, I actually enjoyed myself. A lot. I did it because there was no one home. I got home before everybody. I'm like, you know what? It's quiet. <laughs> I got the football game on. Yeah, I'm going to give this a try, and I must say it was quite good. Anyway, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, G will join us. Big program, 6 to 10. We got a lot to discuss today. A lot of sound, too, from Buck and the Knicks and the football, blah, 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 blah. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, A couple of things from last night. Knicks did win. They snapped that five-game home losing streak. They beat a team they should beat. They beat the Pistons last night. And I know they've got guys on COVID, but they still had the likes of Randall and Fournier and Kemble Walker at 21 points again, and Mitchell Robinson played well. So they had more than enough, and they did what they had to do. They beat the Pistons last night. Also, you had the Eagles beat Washington and Philly last night, the Rams beating the Seahawks last night. And just quickly, too, on the Knicks, uh, before I hand it over to Boomer and Gio here, because I know we killed uh, James Dolan. Uh, fine, whatever. They haven't won in forever. I get it. This Garden of Dreams, though, and I meant to mention this yesterday, but I saw it on a commercial, during the commercial, actually, when we were just away. It reminded me of what they do. They did one of those Garden of Dreams night last night, and the things that these guys participate in is outstanding. You've got all the players that buy in, all the guys on the Rangers, all the guys on the Knicks. Hell, they even had a package with Clyde and Mike Breen, and it was the Hall of Famers package, which I thought was really cool. Um, And so – Kill Dolan all you want for owning the teams. But, my God, that Garden of Dreams Foundation is really something, and they do make dreams come true for kids. So, uh, really cool just to spend a minute on that. We will have coming up, you guys are going to get Buck Showalter thrown down your throat this morning. And also, I have a very cool, did you see the uh, John Harbaugh, Tyler Huntley video Yes, that is out there? I did see it. We will get to that audio, too, because, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned earlier, we get the inner workings of the sideline, um, which, if you – Never were on an NFL sideline, and there's one, two, three, four, five of us here, and only one of us has done that from what I'm told. So the other four of us, while we played in high school, at least a couple of us did, Yeah, we don't know the NFL sideline. The only, only, thing,
2: I, only thing I could tell you about the NFL sideline is that I want the coach to be in charge, and I want the coach to make the decision. I don't want the coach asking for opinions.
1: Oh, so you didn't like this.
2: I I, I thought this was I, especially, awesome. Especially for a young quarterback I like Tyler Hall, who's out. got a million things going on. And uh, I, like the, I like the interaction, don't get me wrong, it's very interesting, but I want the man in charge making the decisions, and I want him to be decisive about those decisions, whether they turn out to be the wrong ones or turn out to be the right ones. You are the man, you make the decision. Now, he's made a couple of decisions that I don't like that didn't work out anyway, so I don't know. But the, but the audio and watching it is very cool, there's no
1: question about it. I am going to start treating you like the way I treat my betting. Yeah, I'm that? going to have an opinion and I'm going to go the opposite way. Okay. I really thought you would have gone in favor of this and I misread you yet again, mm-hmm. which seems to be the case most days, which is why Jill in Atlanta called up thinking that we don't yeah. like each yeah, other. Yeah, I know that. But I, I like, if I'm the coach and you're my quarterback,
2: I'm going to come over and say, you're going to come over to me and I'm going to say, listen, Jerry, WFAN got to go for two. and what WFAN F- to FM That's and HD1, New what York and Odyssey
3: Station.